Radio Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 212. Photon in human form with Natalie, artist, DJ, dancer, ENFP, and Taurus. Join the team as we get to know a truly free spirit, Natalie, holding it down in the Pacific Northwest. She's a visual and kinesthetic artist, American ninja warrior, athlete, psychonaut, mother, and wife. Welcome and well met. Thank you. Most definitely. So something we do on here is correlate the episode number to the major account of the Tarot. So two, uh, one and two is five, which in uh, the David D'Angelis is David Bowie's Starman deck, and he's been on the podcast a few times. Shout out, David. Uh, is the Hierophant. I am the teacher of universal law. This is basically the uh, exoteric, the high priest, the hierophant. This is the caretaker of spiritual knowledge, teaching others what you know, awakening to a greater understanding of the world and paying attention to the details. Raphael, what card do you have? We have the angel of ambition, number 26, belonging to the dominions. This angel helps you win or make the processes and judgments favorable to their cause, helps man to contemplate things and acts of God, dominates politics, diplomats, ambassadors, and influences journalists. It is the God listening in concealment, belonging to the Four of Wands, and the affirmation is, I seek the cooperation of others, for balance is to be achieved. So I'm kind of curious, Natalie, uh, between those two cards, if anything resonated with you. Oh, yeah. Um, the the tarot deck that I have, that I use the most, um, is called um, Drakeiotos. I'm not actually sure how you pronounce it. Um, but um, in this deck, it's, it's such an interesting deck, but they remapped the hero font to be the artist. Um, yeah the artist is sort of like the new the new spiritual conduit right kind of taking that um behind the veil power and translating it and saying here's the truth or whatever kind of that energy i think that's kind of cool actually that's the artist um so i don't even I, i'm guessing acid math like you said but i'm not even sure how i stumbled upon your art probably a few years ago, maybe even up to like five or six years ago on Facebook and thought it was really cool. Thought you seemed really hip, added you as a friend. We've never really talked, I don't think. Um, and, but I've always just been perfectly aware kind of of what you're up to. Very progressive, very, you know, woke if, for lack of a better term, um, kind of doing cool shit uh, all over the place energetically. And I was looking at your chart. You do have Jupiter and Mercury conjunct in the 9,000 gemini so it's like yeah you're you've got a lot of energy a lot of fun kind of zip uh to your uh, step pep in your step anyway uh like i was telling you the green room i think i saw you um i was actually a volunteer at um i forget her name now lottie maybe or, or i'm totally spacing her name but some chick who had a uh um Oh, what is it called? Chai tea stand. Um, we actually had Neon Felicity come on. He was the one who invited me there. And that was my first festival. But I'm pretty sure I saw you there, maybe doing some acrobatics or something. Um, 
Yeah, I yeah. always go to uh, imagine where where our whole family has been involved since I think their second year. And um, I'm either doing aerial performances or live painting or both. Um, pretty involved. Our whole family is pretty involved in that festival. Totally makes sense. So I saw you in the flesh, but I didn't, I was, I don't think, I don't remember if I was spun or what, maybe I was just busy working, but I didn't reach out because I was like, I think I know her, but I didn't know now. So I didn't really say yo, uh, but clearly I did see you. So uh, we've never met, we've never really talked, but you seem cool as fuck and it seems like you're doing a lot of cool shit. So I figured I'd get you on here. Uh, it was kind of last minute. Like, I think I told you a day or two ago, I was like, uh, you want to pop on here? Because otherwise it would have been in March or something. So thanks for being flexible. Uh, thank the babysitter. <laughs> uh, your husband, I imagine, but I'm not sure. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, um, my uh, my wife and my husband. But um, I'm probably, uh, probably going to want to walk for part of it, too. Okay, cool. Involve the whole uh, situation. So, um, yeah, I mean – that's how I'm aware of you. Like I said, we've never really talked and stuff, but you're, you seem really with it. Uh, I have a lot of Gemini energy. Your Jupiter's there, your Mercury's there. You're speaking my language. So kind of, um, I mean, does, I, I doubt I've made a big impact in your psyche, but does that sound about right? We've probably been friends on Facebook, peripherally aware of each other, et cetera, for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Word. So, uh, you can be as lengthy and winded or as, curt and non-verbose as you prefer uh kind of you know you, it doesn't have to be call me ishmael kind of stuff but like walk me through uh your life like when did you start doing it seems like you know you've been high active for a long time i think you met your husband back it's according to that ninja warrior thing uh in middle school or high school or something um you're not from seattle i think you're from the midwest like minneapolis like you were saying um just kind of walk me through like how how you got to where you are, uh, but we'll start with the, you know, the very beginning, a very good place to start, as they say. Uh, how did you start waking up? What kind of skills did you know you had as a kid? Seems like you've been kind of in your body and moving and grooving your whole life. Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe the, the embodiment part um, kind of comes from my dad and his side of the family. They're all super active people. And um, we were always encouraged to to move our bodies and to do um, activities. I can hear Raven in the background. I'm walking him now. Yeah, it's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so a lot of the like um, the physical stuff that I did growing up was encouraged by my dad. Um, and then you know my sister and I would always dance together. So dance has always just been like an embodied way of living for me. Um, and yeah, I did uh, grow up in Minnesota. Um, so we did the, the Land of lakes. snowboarding <laughs> stuff. Yeah, we did when we lived on lakes. Um, my dad's a big water sport person. So um, we would go skiing, water skiing, um, and uh, try all the new water sports. Um, the the like fringe stuff like the air air chair that kind of thing um and uh so i think just embodiment has always been like a big part of emotional processing um we always would like dance out our feelings and stuff growing up um so I think that was maybe just like always there. 
Um, and, and as far as like getting into psychedelics in that kind of world, like I've always kind of been more like, like I had a pretty goody two shoes, uh, focus on the family upbringing youth, youth experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, when, when maybe some other kids would be like drinking and having parties with their friends, like my activity of the weekend would be like baking cookies <laughs> or like, you know, swimming in the lake. Um, so super wholesome. Um, you do have a North um, Node in 6,000 Pisces, which is like Virgo flavored Pisces. So it doesn't surprise me like embodied health, but in a very kind of like <laughs> surreal way, maybe is the best way to put it. Uh, it's kind of the name of your game. So yeah, you probably wouldn't, I mean, I'm sure you could hang out with people that party and whatever, but it's like you're you're more practical than that in a weird way. Yeah, it's cool having you um, interpret my chart because it, I I don't really understand a lot of um, like astrology. That's not something I've. Really, I mean, I I know of curse at cursory, but I don't really understand the houses. So it's interesting to have you like put that in perspective. Oh yeah, I'll break it down for you sometime if you want. Um, but it's a it's just a lens through which I look. I mean, I imagine you know it's like anything. So if someone's obsessed with Star Wars, they're going to see a lot of things in terms of you know the Force or whatever. So I don't get dogmatic about it, but it seems to be something I can't unsee. So I'm just like, oh shit, yeah. And it, it has a lot of explanatory power to me. Uh, but don't think I'm shoving that on you. Uh, it just happens to be a lens through which I'm looking through. So uh, was your family like religious? Was it pretty conservative? It sounds like they were fun i mean it sounds like you had a good time kind of exploring the water sport world yeah um it, it's interesting because we're almost like religiously agnostic <laughs> in that um um my parents thought it was important for us to be able to experience church um both of both of my grandparents uh they they would go to church. My mom's side was Catholic um, and pretty strongly so, but my mom had her reasons for kind of not buying into that so much. Um, so she's more spiritual, but less religious. And and my dad's a very like practical, logical person. Um, and so for him, he's just kind of like the only logical position is that you can't know. I mean, you can't like, pretend to know and so they 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 told us one time like you know why we took you to church is like you know we because we don't know like to like, see how we want to for whatever have experience. yeah exposure um so that we kind of knew what it was about but i think we grew up really um like skeptical and and being able to ask questions i definitely remember being in sunday school once and and they told my parents, you know, I think Natalie asks too many questions. And my dad was like, keep asking questions. <laughs> like I said, Jupiter and uh, Mercury in conjunct in ninth house, which is Sagittarius flavored icing on a Gemini cupcake. You're going to ask questions about truth all the time. So it's not even so much skeptical as just like reasonable. Uh, I mean, maybe skeptical too, but I don't think you're so stern. I mean, you are a Taurus, but it's like you're not so like fixed that you're like, I think I mean, it sounds like your dad kind of instilled there's more to the picture than meet the eye. I don't know. And that's more or less a wise place to start <laughs> as opposed to saying, I know the truth and nothing, you know, as opposed to holding on to one dogma, dogmatic and then saying everything else is wrong. Uh, it sounds like you're yeah, pretty yeah. open-minded. I, I, I mean, it's just absolutely impossible for anybody to like have claim 
on like capital T truth of anything. So like the best perspective is to just like sort of like live in the mystery, I guess. Perfect. So when did you start tapping into your art skills? Um, sometimes ask, I ask people like, when, when did you stop? <laughs> you know, I, um, we were looking at, um, like childhood videos, um, when I went home uh, a while back and, yeah, and like uh, America's funniest home video style, <laughs> no, like ours, but well, yeah, <laughs> our, our videos. Um, and, uh, it, it was interesting for me to see that like, other kids were like paying attention to um, like the flow of how this particular like game was going to go and like trying to listen to the rules and stuff. And I was just absolutely not paying attention. And I was just coloring, like drawing my own thing in my own world, which is, you know, probably early signs of my ADHD, which I love. Um, <laughs> but um, I was, I always colored. I was always drawing and, painting and I sort of had this idea that I was going to be an artist and my you know my dad ever the practical person was always redirecting me so in, into something like more practical so when I when I said I wanted to be a whale trainer he was like oh well then you know you want to be a marine biologist <laughs> and so when I said I wanted to be an artist he was like oh well then you want to be a designer so that's how you I have Venus design. and Taurus. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say, you have Venus and Taurus, so do I. Aesthetic is kind of our life. Uh, it manifests in many different ways, but it seems like you're probably going to be, I mean, autistic is a strong word, but very in tune and sensitive to like patterns, colors, shapes, you know, art in, a, in, a, in the broadest sense, whether it's the art of conversation, the art of tea making, the art of making love, the art of fucking dance, you know, all of it. You're going to be like, oh, I understand the art of life as an art form in a sense. So. Uh, so you went to design school? Yeah, yeah. Um, I went to the University of Minnesota for graphic design. I had I had wanted to go for like product design, but it's funny they didn't actually create that program until I like the year I graduated. Um, the fates but, just said but, no. Basically. No, I was like, mm -mm, that's not what you need. <laughs> um, and I even I, I toyed around with architecture for a bit, but it was just a. Uh, I guess too, um, sort of like, too rigid. Like, yeah, too rigid, <laughs> too rigid for me. Um, but I did learn a lot in graphic design, and um, they gave me a good basics. The essentials are the basics. Um, it's and don't feel bad about the kid making noise. That doesn't bug me. It just adds more color to the context. Um, had you met your husband already at that point? I mean, clearly, if you met him like middle or high school or something. Yeah, yeah. How's that 15, go? It was like in first high school. love shit. Yeah, we were we were both each other's first. Um, so it's been a long journey with that one. I actually have five um, relationships. The the shortest of which is five years. We just celebrated our five years. Um, that is some so Jupiter I, and. Gemini stuff. I mean, you got a lot of love to give. Yeah, I like to say I have like commitment issues and that like I can't not commit. <laughs>
So we'll get to that for sure. But uh, it seems okay. So you were kind of raised in a situation where it's like you know, moderately reasonable and skeptical, but open-minded. It doesn't seem like they were you know trying to channel Pleiadians and you know shove ecstasy in your mouth or anything like that. So, um, and then you kicked into art. So at that point, where you are, because you are a dancer, but you also strike me as almost. I mean, don't I don't know how you'll take this. Almost like a warrior dancer, where it's like you're a very strong built dancer it's not just like you're this delicate ballerina not that you're not delicate in another way it's paradoxical kind of but like you you actually can like li- i mean i saw your ninja warrior uh i don't even know if you're on it or not but um your tryout video it's like you could do yeah, some crazy they, shit they, um they accepted me and i i got on the show but they didn't um, air my run because i like failed on the second obstacle what um, happened um, <laughs> it was like a timing thing uh like you were just taking your tour was, sweet was, time, and you were like, "Oh shit, I guess that was two minutes." Definitely. Well, it was. It was like you're supposed to let go at exactly the right time, and then I like hesitated, and then I knew I had missed my opportunity, and so like as as I the, as you the realization dawned on me that I missed my opportunity, I was just I just was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> so I, I can like, imagine That's why they didn't air my run because I just screamed "fuck" as I fell into the water. They gave me a towel, like, uh, this is my, like, homage to failure. I, I am an absolute proponent of just, like, loving your failures, so that's that's my fail towel. Well, it's still dope. I mean, I, I, I'm i not, let's put it this way, winning doesn't impress me as much as participation, so the fact that you did it is dope. I mean, it'd be cool to win, but at the same time, the fact that you got on it all is pretty ratchet. So, um, I mean, I'm kind of buckshotting this, but you're a Gemini flavored energy enough that you can handle it. Uh, what was design school like? What were you kind of focusing on? I was an art history dropout. Um, I'm a musician, but I tended to be like, oh, Da Vinci's dope and MC Escher, who actually shares my birthday in Big Three, uh, astrologically. But like, there's amazingly inspiring things to inspire, you know, one's, oneself, uh, almost like secondhand smoke in a way. So it's like, I don't have to be an architect, but I could check out schematics and think it's dope and think about it in a different way kind of like talking heads did that a lot with their art um what were kind of the emphasis uh the points of emphasis that you were doing in design school and what did you kind of take away from that whole experience yeah i um i ended up focusing a lot on interactive design um which sort of led to you know my husband and i doing a lot of uh, like collaboration and ultimately running a company together um, because he, um, he's both a doctor and an engineer. And so he was learning a lot of programming at the time. And we, we were sort of in this big, um, there was like a bubble, um, you know, how there was like the dot com bubble, but there was also like a big app bubble. So like everybody wanted some, everybody wanted some kind of app for some reason. And so we kind of cashed in on that a little bit um, where I was doing like the uh, user interface design and the um, user experience design. And then I ended up working for a a company. Actually, I I was working for a company doing that. And then we started our own company after that company went under. What year was that? Uh, So I... See, I graduated high school in 07 and then did like four and a half years of college. So 
2012, I, I got that job in the interactive industry, um, like right, right out of college. I was doing it in my senior year a little bit. So I did that for like two years and then sort of like, I ended up um, transitioning through a bunch of different roles within that company, even doing like a lot of new business, trying to keep it afloat. But the thing was, the thing had been around for um, over a decade at the time, and it was just kind of its time. So I learned so much just watching that thing um, do its little swan song, I guess. And I, I left with a lot of knowledge on how to run a company and how to do interactive design and work with clients, all of that. So then I just, I took that and ran with it. I was trying to find another job in the industry and that didn't work out. So I was like, well, fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. And um, that's where I I started just like doing my own thing and, and taking on my own clients. And then I ended up having projects that were bigger than just me. So that was where it was like, well, I guess we're a company now. And uh, my husband and I sort of uh, collaborated on bringing that into the real world. And we did that for two years. And at the end of that, that's when we moved from Minnesota to Seattle. So not only was the Mayan apocalypse 2012-ish time, but you also left the midwest and check and dipped for the west coast i think seattle probably suits your lifestyle more um i don't yeah, know that- yeah. well we uh, it, was, it was 2015 that we moved here um it was after we did the company um and uh it, it really it's it's really nice weather um even even in the winter like i'm walking outside with like no gloves and that's fine um <laughs> so i appreciate that um, but no, we found the ecstatic dance community, which is actually quite um, serendipitous in that um, I I had been to the West Coast for a variety of um, the conferences and stuff. And whenever people would see me dance, they'd be like, have you heard of ecstatic dance? I was like, no, nope, that sounds cool. But like, and I didn't look into it. And there wasn't really much of that in Minnesota anyway. And so I just didn't really think much of it. But then when we moved out here, um, after a while, I just sort of fell into, oh, I happen to be working at this place because I started working in there uh, at Ohm Culture because they had aerial silks and that, that was something I did. That's what's up. Yeah, Seattle's beautiful. Like, I, I mean, I've been to the Pacific Northwest last September. It was great. It's kind of, I mean, it's one of those things where it's not going to get super, it's not going to be like LA hot ever particularly, but um, it's nice and it's beautiful. So you, you're in a very nice place. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of directions this can go. Raphael, do you have any questions so far? Um, one moment. Oh yeah, do your thing. We'll talk amongst ourselves. Raphael, you have any thoughts? I'm listening. Doing a good job of it, you Libra, you. Uh, yeah, the Pacific Northwest is dope. I was up there actually last, yeah, during September 11th, uh, which was weird because I was walking uh, in downtown Seattle. I mean, just all sorts of weird synchronicities were happening. My uncle lives around there. I was couch surfing. I was going to that festival, and I so I was going to go from there, and then I went down to Portland for like two weeks after that because I haven't really checked this stuff out. But when I was in uh, 
Seattle during 9-11. I was smoking a bunch of joints and just kind of like walking around doing my own thing. And I walked by, I think there's a World Trade Center in Seattle, but it's not at all like the building in New York that collapsed or whatever. Um, and I found that rather weird <laughs> and echoey. But Seattle's uh, probably one of the, besides San Francisco, it's one of the more gem-like cities I've ever seen uh, in terms of major cities in America. So, uh, let me know when you're back. All right, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm back. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was like, you got your hands full. Um, yeah. <laughs> it happens, it happens. So, um, tr kind of walk me through some of your, uh, I mean, you were doing very practical kind of art, but like, um, do you prefer using digital mediums? Do you like oil? Do you like using kind of anything to make creative stuff with? I mean, it's not, it seems like you'll make hula hoops if you can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I... In the in the design world, it was it was a lot of digital, but um, I feel like I wear two different hats. There's like my designer hat and then my artist hat, and sometimes I get the opportunity to wear both of them at the same time. Um, and so it was like a lot of my time in Minnesota was pretty exclusively design, and then when I was doing art, it was like separate, and it was it was just some painting on my own. And then when I moved to Seattle. Um, I thought I was going to get one of those big tech jobs, um, you know, at Amazon or whatever, but then that didn't work out, um, for the better, um, because in the time that I was trying to apply, um, for one of those jobs, I just sort of ended up doing some of the best art that I had done up until then. And so it sort of encouraged me to be like, well, maybe I should just like do this. And so I did a lot of acrylic painting, shared it a lot on Facebook, and was able to sell enough of it that um, it it was enough to maintain us on the side, um, at least in addition to Alex's residency, which is why we moved to Seattle. Um, so I, I ended up doing that for a while, and then found Ohm Culture, which was where I started doing the circus camps. And that was more the kinesthetic art um, of the, like the aerial acrobatics and that kind of thing. And so up until this point, it's all been quite separate. You know, the design brain, the the visual art brain, the kinesthetic art brain, all pretty separate. But um, in the last three months, really with the blessing of, of COVID, um, I was able to find my icky guy. Um, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's the intersection of what you love to do, what you're good at, what people will pay you for, and what the world needs. Um, but it also is the intersection of a lot of my hats, my design brain, my art brain, my, my body kinesthetic sort of sense, and that's in tattooing. So um, right, I saw I, that I, you were, you're a tattoo artist in training now, right? Yeah, I guess I've I've kind of for a while had that as like a mm, yeah that'd be cool kind of thing, but never really knowing how to enter. And I had a few false starts, and you know been laughed out of a couple shops because it's just pretty hard to it's a hard industry to enter. But you know when when we all lost our jobs due to COVID and started getting unemployment, it was like well, I've never really had the opportunity to just like sit around and have nothing to do but try to become a tattoo artist and and that was really what was calling me and so I 
developed more of an illustrative portfolio. I uh, got some advice from different tattoo artists in my network. And um, ultimately, the best advice I got was to just email everywhere. So I just made like a big spreadsheet of all the different shops in the area and uh, just emailed everyone really professionally. And ultimately, one of them got back to me while we were on a road trip over the summer. And um, that was the Nova expansion. So that was three months ago. And pretty much from the day I went in for an interview to today, I've, I've just been coming in like uh, five days a week and uh, kind of like 10, almost 10 hours a day sometimes. And um, just really diving deep, learning so much. And, um, and I just feel like it's, it's such a perfect fit, um, not only like as a profession and an industry, but also at this particular location. Um, it also makes use of my extroversion, which just painting didn't really do. So it's like it almost feels like everything that I had been doing, have been doing up until this point, has been like preparing me for this specific uh, manifestation. That's dope. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at your art and um, some of your Facebook pictures. Your very interesting style. Like, how would you describe yourself to somebody who's never seen your? I mean, neo bohemian is kind of what I would say. But how would how do you describe yourself? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because I do like I really. Um, you wear a lot of hats. Yeah, I wear a lot of hats, and I really value and appreciate um, my ability to have um, like variety and breadth, and not like be kind of box but also I would say that like um a lot of my art is psychedelic and speaks to that experience it's really colorful um bright and um really like emotional and intuitive um it it has I, I I use art often as like um a way to process emotions and to process sort of like what what I feel um, inside as like um, kind of ta taking the inside and, and putting it out there and it's use it's like it's a useful thing I, I consider art to be like the gut flora of the emotion makes total sense like I said your north node which is kind of like your dharma if you want to put it that way um, is in Pisces but it's in sixth house which is Virgo which kind of balances itself because on the zodiac those are on the opposite side of the wheel so in a sense, like you were just saying, it's very practical and and health related. It's almost like psychotherapeutic probably for you, but you're doing it for a variety of reasons. Not only is it trippy, man, or whatever, cool, but you're also, it, I mean, the body stuff you're doing with the dance, um, even just, I mean, it sounds simple, but like, you know, shaving your head, whatever, you're kind of playing with palettes of creativity in very embodied and practical ways, showing people the kaleidoscopic nature of the human experience, if you catch my drift absolutely I, I definitely like to play with kaleidoscopes as like actual things but also as concepts and prisms as like a metaphor for everything has multiple perspectives and different ways of looking at it so there's really like no one source of truth um, it's like the more true something is the more its opposite is true so paradox is like the ultimate form of truth I'm on that wave it's a mind fuck out here 
Uh, so you said that you thought your uh, art was kind of psychedelic. I mean, you don't have to put yourself on blast, but I'm kind of wondering what psychedelics did you tend to prefer? Um, I mean, some people are like, oh, I love ecstasy, but I won't fuck with acid or, you know, whatever. Weed's cool, but fuck DMT. What is your kind of uh, proclivity on that front? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess um, my my first, like, foray into any of that kind of stuff was, was you know, weed and did that, like, kind of turned me on to a, a lot of like, wow, this, you can just like have this variety of experience and, um, really made me curious in different psychedelics. Um, and, uh, so mushrooms was next for me. And that one, you know, I had a couple of experiences before my, um, biggest experience on mushrooms, which I would consider, um, like my ego death and probably the most influential experience for me. Um, was something, that like something in high school like, or when like, was that? It was in college. Yeah, no, okay. I didn't do any of it. I, my, I didn't even smoke any weed um, until like uh, sophomore year of college. So I was a bit, a bit late That's to the game cool. there. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not hating. I take, everyone's on their own trip on that sense. Uh, I mean, that's I respect that because in a sense, like you did it. I mean <laughs> – curiosity killed the cat in some ways right so i think when if people get too into stuff like i got into weed like when i was 15 before i drank ever or anything like that mushrooms were my second kind of drug too i guess technically but um yeah there's something to be said about waiting until your brain is kind of formed a little more <laughs> neurologically um not that I'm yeah and that, i but... have like my family and upbringing to thank for that because you know I, i'm such a like open to experience person i think when i take those personality tests that that one's sort of like off the charts um so i think if it if it weren't for just the like relatively sheltered um upbringing that i had like i i was in a private school for high school and we had like a graduating class of 17 and you know everyone was pretty like straight and narrow who's my friends um and and so it wasn't really like a temptation there it just wasn't like i didn't really it wasn't around me and I think if it were, I, I probably would have gone down that road a lot earlier. So, you know, as, as much as it's like, oh, yeah, I like hauled off. Like there was no I never really like said no to drugs. Like I just like wasn't really offered. it. That's cool. Like, I, I mean, I'm not such a, you know, I'm not such an advocate that I, on the one hand, I think everyone should smoke weed and trip in their life once. But I don't think it doesn't it doesn't have to be a recreational lifestyle for everybody. Uh I found even for myself, I mean, I used to grow weed here in Colorado and stuff. And it's like just smoking all day, every day and being in a haze really wasn't probably conducive for my highest uh, excitement, though there's, you know, it was enjoyable and pleasurable, I guess, but uh, ultimately very kind of mellow, um, more mellow than I needed to be. So tell me about this kind of McKenna level fucking breakthrough on mushrooms in college. <laughs> yeah, I um, I wrote up a little... um like a trip report on that um like the morning afterward because it was just so mind-blowing um but i guess what happened was um i i kind of like got to a peak in the mushrooms and um and was kind of like i i think what was this like a high dose situation or like a like a gram or two or like seven high for me um, but I don't think it wasn't like there was it wasn't like a heroic dose. It was just high for me. Um, and I think what tipped it off was like I 
I looked at my dog, <laughs> which I wouldn't really recommend doing. Oh, animals! They look no, at animals and psychedelics are like, awesome. Like, yeah, they're like you're in another world, master. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Cats are the weirdest on acid. I'm like, you know, I'm somewhere but it, like, else. But it, <laughs> it's into the things. He started like like snarling his nose at me in kind of a submissive way and i was like not sure how to interpret it and so i was like is there something wrong with him did we leave the oven on and he's smelling it and we're not and i just like started getting paranoid and uh <laughs> and so my husband like got really protective of me and of course he's on psychedelics too so he doesn't really know the to handle that and so he's like trying to just make sure i don't like accidentally hurt myself which i wasn't gonna do um, but I knew that and he didn't. <laughs> so he kind of like, you know, trapped me in my room, worried that I was going to like find a knife and be crazy pants with it. Um, but being trapped in my room really made me like just awesome. Because what I really needed to know was that, that there was a world outside of that room. <laughs> so there was like no confirmation that like, there was anything outside of the room very eight of swords it's like you were trapped <laughs> mentally deal with it totally it was uh, what is it called like a bardo state um and oh uh, for sure um, it sounds like a hellish i mean and, uh, <laughs> even just the whole vibe's like let me like very shining it's like let me out no yeah totally so i um i kind of like went i just like dove deep into my head and and i forgot well, I didn't forget. I didn't forget who Natalie was. I just completely disassociated with like feeling like I was that person, and like why should I be that per? Like I am just this energy, and um, and so, you know, I I kind of became nonverbal for a little bit, and at some point, um, Alex asked me like, um, so it's just some like benign question, like, can so then he opens the door. He's like, are you safe? Can, <laughs> Well, he was like, can you name five fruits? And then I just like looked at him like, he, <laughs> I looked at him super sarcastically and I go. This definitely sounds like an engineer on mushrooms. <laughs> I know, right? So I'm just like, mango. And then he's like, can you name four more? I go, no. <laughs> and, and, um, well, you picked the best one. <laughs> it was a good one. Um, but you know, in this in this time of being in my head and completely disassociated from who I, who Natalie is, um, there was like this moment where I was like, "Well, am I ever gonna get back in there? Like, or am I just like stuck outside of here? Or like, is this my time? Am I just done?" And I like, um, I look around and I kind of see all of my like messed up hangers and like clothes on the floor and I was like well, come on like if this if this person was really done with what they were supposed to do in life and if they had figured all their shit out and it was their time to go like don't you think the hangers would be like in order <laughs> like things would be figured out like no nah, nah, this person's still going they got more stuff to do and uh and I had this moment where it's like well okay like it was like this acceptance of like okay even if i like never really associate or feel like i am natalie what if i'm just like like i had this moment where i really thought that maybe i was just the the few neurons in this brain that are associated with the state of falling asleep or like that's just because it was like late at night at this point so maybe i'm just falling asleep i'm not natalie i'm just i'm just the part of natalie that's falling asleep 
well, that's okay. You know, that's not so bad because, you know, she lives a fairly interesting life and I get to check in like at the end of every day and like, what'd you do this day? Like, oh, that's cool. And so it's like that acceptance of like, it doesn't even matter really like who I am or like what, like, like tiny ass role I have in this life. Like whatever it is, like I can, I can be okay with it. And, and that was when it was like, okay, no, I can be Natalie. But ever since then, it was like, I wasn't so attached to being Natalie. Like, I'm not so, I don't take things personally. I don't know if I ever really did, but like, I feel like um, it's it's pretty easy for me to like detach from like taking things personally or detach from associating with um, this particular vessel and just like sort of step back, you know, and like, I associate with just being energy and being sort of all that is. And I'm, I'm in this one right now. <laughs> well, that's probably a good hold on loosely modality to be on. I mean, when you're talking about being the uh, neurons in the part of the brain that's kind of, you know, sleeping or whatever, uh, what's your ontological presupposition? Generally, are you like a material reductionist? Do you believe in, spirits do you believe in uh, there's no wrong answer i'm just kind of curious because the way you're saying that made me think more of a um obviously kind of a um, uh, medical approach in a sense we were identifying with parts of your brain have you had experiences with like you know parts of your soul or however you want to put that are you spiritual at that level or are you more practical um like how, how do you cr- uh, crack open that can of worms well i guess like the the, the language that i end up speaking like as the the wife of a neurologist and the the daughter of an engineer is is that super like um almost like materialist reductionist yeah and i can speak that language but i also sort of like as myself feel like i live more in the language of feelings and just like vibes i guess um (laughs) And and lately, I think I've been coming more into magic. Like I got a tarot set and have been um, diving more into that world. And so I feel like um, just like from my background, um, it's definitely more of the like hard science, material reductionist sort of take on stuff. And it's been a more recent phenomenon to lean into the more spiritual side of things. But I also see them as like just different ways of talking about the same reality. Like, um, I I think I I saw a meme recently that said something like, um, science is so boring. It just like, it it took everything and, and it it took all of the the, deconstructed everything. Yeah. Deconstructed everything. So all it is, is just cogs and parts until we got to, um, Oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word, um, but quantum like uh, yeah. quantum, quantum mechanics. And it's like, well, once you get far enough into science, then it's like, okay, Super never Hindu, mind. Almost. Like, it's all weird. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm, uh, it's funny because I'm not terribly surprised given your um, uh, husband's neurological kind of engineering stuff, as well as your dad's kind of skepticism uh, that you were kind of like you were saying, you were wearing the clothes, at least you were wearing a lab coat. But I, I think just I think generally you do have it's it's weird I think you're a practical dreamer, 
So yeah, you're yeah, willing would, to go out there, but at the same time, you're like, I don't want to, you know, Terrence McKenna was like, don't open your head so wide that the wind blows through. It's like, I don't think you want to leave reasonability behind past a point. Um, yeah, just, yeah I mean, that's natural. I mean, you know, I, I don't, it's whatever. I mean, until people have experiences, like, I, I mean, if you've done ayahuasca or DMT, I haven't done ayahuasca, but it's like that stuff start. it starts getting like, um, when I blasted off back in 2011, I was talking to Egyptian deities and having Kundalini awakenings and just crazy shit. I wasn't like culturally ready for. I just, I wasn't in that wave at all yet. And, uh, I've still struggled. I'm like, is that a Jungian projection of like parts of my brain interacting? Is that real entities? Is that, you know, like what is real? What it's, what's, um, uh, fantasy, I guess. Is this a real life? Is this just fantasy? Like, it's just kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Um, so there's not really a wrong answer. I think people are where they need to be as long as they're open. What well, the problem, I guess, I get into personally is scientism. We've had Rupert Childrick on the podcast where he, he kind of has a TED talk that got banned about this, where it's like, once it becomes dogmatic and it's like, people are like, if you presuppose anything outside of these paradigms, you're wrong. Um, that's not science in terms of like an inquisitive spirit so much anymore. It's more kind of just like a, uh, I want to get all the, uh, I want to order this in a way that makes me feel, I mean, at worst, subconsciously in control, right? Where it's like, I order and understand things and I'm on top of it and it can't fool me. Um, but it takes all kinds, I guess, in a weird way too. So I'm rambling. Raphael, any thoughts on what we've said thusly? Nothing in particular word so um so it sounds like an interesting mushroom trip i mean i don't know how i would have probably flipped my shit if someone locked me in a room i'll be honest like i probably would have, like kicked the door down and be like nah so you handled it pretty well good good on you um mushrooms are interesting i mean i know they're one i think phosphorus chemical away from dmt so they're acting on serotonin kind of inhibitors and it's interesting what this stuff does. I, I For a long time, I was kind of more reductionistic and more McKenna-esque in the terms of like Stone Dave theory and being like, oh, this is why we have culture and stuff. Um, but I guess the more I've talked to Raphael and more new age types of people, um, the more open, I like you were saying, I don't know. Like your dad was saying, I mean, like I don't know. Um, maybe my coloration causes certain prismatics like uh you know certain stained glass windows look a certain way because they're painted a certain way whether it's dna or karma or whatever it seems like we're all kind of uh like whatever democratized reality is hard to understand but at the same time it seems like we're interacting with each other uh so have you ever gotten into like i mean there's no wrong answer i'm not like trying to you know if you haven't that's cool if you but like have you been pursuing uh thought lines like buddhism or hinduism or Anything like that? Any kind of organized spiritual front? Or have you always just kind of been like, fuck it, I do what I want? Um, I've definitely looked into um, a lot of different modes of spirituality. And I think that's where, like, I guess I see truth in a lot of them. Um, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like a lot of them are coming to the same thing. Um, it it kind of reminds me of, like, when I was, like, a, a big part of my role in childhood, um, for better or for worse, was, like, Peacemaker. Um, there was, uh, oftentimes, especially like throughout like puberty years, my sister and my mom would really get into it. And, uh, I was sort of like the intermediary and the one being like, y'all are saying the same damn thing, just, just, uh, talking past each other. And so I could see like the truth in both perspectives, but it was like frustrating to me that rather than like realizing that like they have common ground, like 
just speaking past each other and, and thinking that it's like either this or that and seeing reality as like one or the other. So I think that kind of instilled a lot of like, it's all true and there's like, there's truth in every facet. So, I mean, when I see something that's like the same across a lot of religions, I'm like, oh, that, that must be true. Um, in, in this, like, I don't know, I think the, the like latest sort of cross conjunction of, uh, of multiple religions I've come to is like, um, this idea of, um, uh, you know, you know, Buddhism has this idea that we will all come to, um, it's like the, everybody awakening, you know, the, the, the bodhisattva like task of like bringing everybody to break the karmic cycle, um, which really feels similar to me of this idea of like the second coming of Jesus, which a lot of people interpret as this like very specific looking one man is going to come back to earth and everybody's going to like suddenly for some reason understand that that one person is that. It's like that didn't really feel, it feels more true to me that like the second coming is going to be that that sort of like spirit and way of being awakens in everybody. So it's like the same thing. They're both, they're both saying the same thing. Buddhism is, I, I, I mean, I don't know if, how it all works, but I've always personally kind of gravitated towards the Bodhisattva model where it's like, I mean, it's hard to do because I, I mean, at some point you're just like, God damn it. Like what's like our black holes going to be fixed. Like, do we just deal with this? Like our assholes always going to be assholes. Like uh, we've had discussions about this on the podcast before where uh, Manly P. Hall has an interesting book called, um, secret teachings of the ages he was an aquarius freemason from back in like the 30s that was really kind of interesting but anyway um in this book he has a chapter talking about uh the capitalistic kind of awakening of man at some point where basically uh adam is like oh my god i see you serpent and fuck you i've overcome you and then serpent turns into an angel and it's like actually i'm here to like raise your vibes to the point where you transcend this so i've always i mean i'm at this point now i'm like all right so i guess i mean our multinational corporations and this whole shit show kind of of whatever the world i mean there's good and bad of everything that's going on but it seems like we've kind of gone in a direction with you know military industrial complexes and all sorts of stuff for a while uh generations a few you know decades where i'm like are they are they all woke and I have to raise my foot <laughs> or am I, because I think usually the typical model is everyone's like, I get it. And you're all sheep and you're all so asleep. And, I'm, and I think it's kind of maybe both potentially where it's like, there's things to cause you to struggle to raise your foot, but also simultaneously, maybe that's part of the dream where it's like, yo, you asked for this video game on hard with no fucking weapons or whatever. It's like, <laughs> totally, yeah, you're going to have like, to figure like, it uh, out. You could elusive dream anything you wanted. I think, who was it that that was so this was a Ram Das talk, I think, but he, you know, it's like if you could just lucid dream anything you want, you could manifest anything that you could possibly want, every desire, you know, eventually you'd grow tired of having exactly everything that you want. And eventually you would open yourself up to stuff that you maybe don't want. Little challenges. <laughs> but, but, yeah, and more and more you you accept more and more challenges until your life is exactly what it is right now. <laughs> I can get down with that, uh, Raphael. Any thoughts on that from a Bashar kind of level of perspective? I don't know about Bashar, but that's just what it is. I'd say. 
Right, because I mean, sometimes, especially on psychedelics, uh, I mean, acid particularly, um, DMT most especially, but I haven't done it enough to like, you know, qualitatively speak upon it like well. I've done acid a lot more. Um, it feels just like you, you know, like Yoda's like, we're light in crude matter. It's very Gnostic. It's like, oh shit, I forgot. It's a game. Oh my gosh. But then we just like, uh, I don't know if you've seen Midnight Gospel on Netflix, but in the third, definitely. Netflix, oh yeah, it's it's lit. Um, if we have a, a podcast episode on that, we should get you on if you're into that. Um, but on the fifth episode, there's the whole Buddhist thing, and I think the guy was talking about doing DMT and on um, you know the Mayan New Year or Apocalypse rather, and in an orgy or something crazy. I'm just like what? But anyway, the one with the prison where they're like we're grinding really hard in gear or like war warcraft or whatever we're just taking it so seriously and then we've forgotten about it and now we're all just kind of obsessively taking it seriously um it's kind of a big joke but uh if anything this past year i mean last year this time i was in australia i mean my life was so different <laughs> it was like travel is cool and i could do whatever and blah, blah and this year has been like lockdown like what are is this a is this a real virus or not like who who's gonna storm the capital like all this crazy shit's happening the stock market the other day with this whole GameStop thing and it's like insanely interesting times i do think it's an apocalypse but not to be like you know that the sky will fall more so that the veils will lift and we'll kind of see both the literal world. definition of the word yeah exactly i think we'll start understanding the machinations of reality the power structures like how we've given our power away generationally personally etc it's like oh shit you mean pepsi and coke politics doesn't isn't the best thing and we've you know it's tricky so like i mean it sounds like you're kind of um well how about this let's take a quick music break and when we come back we'll dip into like politics conspiracy theories you know worldviews whatever psychedelic stuff you want art whatever's clever uh sound good to you Sounds good. Welcome back. So before we go down too many rabbit holes, I mean, I was just looking at some of your Facebook pictures. What's your diet and workout routine? You're fit. You know what I mean? Like you're like you're a warrior. So are you doing crazy shit that we should all know about? Or are you just kind of like naturally this way? Or what's up with that? <laughs> I guess maybe I maybe a little bit of column A, column B. Um, <laughs> but... I think my body just has like a propensity to move. And so if I, if I feel off at all, I just like intuitively want to move. But um, I guess lately um, it's been a fun thing at the tattoo shop. My, my boss got on this kick to, or I guess, let's not call him my boss, my mentor. I uh, got on this uh, like workout kick with some of his friends so in the morning, we just do like, you know, curls and um, some, you know, crunches. You got like a bench and just we, we like encourage each other to do this, like to like push ourselves and stuff. And, um, and like before that, I had initiated a pull-up contest, which I used to have at this old shop I worked at. So I guess I kind of have like this, like the, the sort of masculine and the feminine side of movement for me so like that's kind of my my like masculine drive to like sort of have I have this like competitive drive to push each other to be better um and I also have this like like desire to get the endorphins from like pushing my muscles um so that's maybe like the masculine side of that and then the feminine side is just like I I feel really embodied and so um like dance and walks are like my meditation. So like I'm on a walk right now and 
it just helps me kind of clear my head. Um, so I guess it's, it's just a, a part of my like mental, emotional, spiritual um, maintenance. I just didn't know if you had like an insanely high metabolism or if you're, you know, like, I mean, if you had a diet that you were all about or something. Uh, and it's funny looking at your chart, you do have Neptune, um, Uranus, and Saturn in the fourth house, Capricorn. Once again, kind of polarities, like Cancer is the mother, fourth house is the mother, and then Capricorn. So your nurturance comes in a very, um, achievement and not stern, but like, like you, you're pretty, you can be a tough cookie straight up like you probably challenge yourself like your dream is to be like an accomplished you know mother obviously you've had a child uh but it's beyond just motherhood it's like uh you want to <laughs> you're you're probably a taskmaster but a fun one to yourself and others if that makes sense like just looking at your chart um and as far as the upper body strength i mean to do some of the aerial stuff you're doing requires a lot of strength so it's not terribly shocking that you have it so it seems to all be synthesizing into a place where it's allowing you to be your uh you know best self in that sense yeah and it's a way of relating to people um i feel like there's this like i don't know there must be some hormones that come out when you like physically exert yourself with other people because i feel connect more connected to people after doing that like you know my wife and i perform together and we we perform um like it's pretty regularly for us but then you know during covid there's not really events so we had so i imagine i saw y'all both at uh imagine doing stuff yeah yeah we were both doing aerial performance on on lyra and on this like double silk hammock spinning apparatus which um, i thought um, almost collapsed at one point <laughs> am i tripping on the, that oh, I mean, oh, I was, the whole yeah you mean i'd imagine yeah like the oh, main like man. the main yeah, stage a story thing. about that, story about that. Yeah, they, yeah, they had it. this like hanging um like like ship yeah it was like a uh, ship wheel, mast wheel? with a cloth tarp over it i, or whatever, I gotta tell in the you middle. all about yeah, that go, go okay, it, okay. so my my wife and my baby who was very young at that time were both sitting under that wheel like really close when it fell and i was like painting really close by and so i see that shit fall and i knew where vera and raven were sitting so i'm like my heart rate's racing i'm like freaking out because that could i mean that could easily like that very much harm or kill them it was really heavy <laughs> And, uh, and, and so I'm just like kind of staring, like trying to see if she's okay. And then suddenly I see her just like running back here, like in this, like just horror with Raven. And I see the two of them running back and like, I'm so relieved that they're okay. And like, there's this really spiritual guy who is like talking to me about my art while like at that time. And, um, he he like sees her and he like really sees her and he does this like energy work on her that is profound because she was shook and i watched this happen and as i'm watching this happen like i'm having my own spiritual experience which is that i in that moment where i didn't know you know like the schrodinger's window where i didn't know what happened lived in multiple realities like i literally was there i was on multiple timelines and then i saw the other timelines just like collapse into this one and um and i wasn't even like on any psychedelics like i was maybe probably high on weed but like i 
I don't even really think I was much. <laughs> like this was just real. <laughs> and and so I see in that moment this guy like welcoming into this world the raven that had died from that. And I saw that baby as like a little seed, like integrating into this one. And so now he's like both of those timelines. And it was like, welcome to this world. That's <laughs> so heavy. Insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I don't remember. I might have just been walking around. It, it might have happened. I mean, I was volunteering most of the time. And then uh, actually the DJ, uh, Ian, um, but he goes by Bodhisattva. He's been on the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was the 93rd episode. He's like a master mason. I mean, I don't know how well you know him. Uh, but he was a DJ at the Silent Disco, which I was on Liquid for, which was fun. But basically, I was not fucked up most of that. I, I mean, I was like working or helping clean or whatever, you know, helping volunteer stuff. So I don't remember. It was daytime when that happened, I'm pretty sure, or maybe dusk. But uh, it, was, it was, yeah, it was dusk. It was late. It was getting late. Yeah, and I just remember it was weird because it was one of those things. Because, I mean, these aren't – I mean, I have nothing – I mean, I'm more of a hippie than not, but I don't really hang out with hippies particularly or more progressive kind of like open-minded RT bohemians like that, even though I am one necessarily. Um, and it was kind of this paradox of like people trying to be really chill, but like it's a serious situation. <laughs> so it's like – it was just odd because it was like, oh, this is like a, a very fun creative structure that people are doing artsy things on and then it like becomes life or death and it's just, it was just sociologically interesting to watch how that was handled. That's not the first like and only like crazy life or death thing that, that happened with our family on Orcas Island. <laughs> I mean, do what you remember else? that? I mean, that? You got, I, I've only been there once. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. So you weren't there for that. Um, but uh, so the band – and I should gone, say, it's a dope beyond. festival. It's safe. It's not like this is like a f- crazy, you know, like <laughs> situation. No, it's just, just magic. Happen. Like it's, just, yeah. it's actually a magical place. Uh, just insane. Just it has nothing to do with um, bad decisions. Right? It's this. So when the band when the band Gone Gone Beyond was playing uh, a set, one of the members of the band suffered a heart attack while playing while playing now my now, husband that's not fun i mean and, to and the obvious, partner, but that's gonna be fucked yeah keep going no it's fine so my husband and his partner both um are doctors our, and my partner um we uh have like a poly family together and um the two of them were like on the medical team for for imagine that was like what they were volunteering doing so they get rushed over there and they are called to resuscitate so they just go into like full-on doctor mode together working as this like badass doctor team (laughs) and like you have to know that as much as it happens on movies like CPR does not often work. It's like, it is a fucking rare thing. It's like a long shot. Here, let's hope. Bring someone back from the brink of death because this man died. And they actually were able to resuscitate him just through CPR. And then the, you know, helicopters came 
and took him to the hospital. But that man is alive to this day and able to continue playing with the band because they were able to save his life that night. And shit like that happens at Imagine all the time. <laughs> really? I mean, it seems I mean, pretty not shit chill. Like that. I'm not saying like that big of a deal. Okay, I was like, like I'm glad I wasn't on cra- acid no, with no. a helicopter coming in. I was like, what the fuck? Like, like that was the, that's like, obviously a huge story. But like, there, there was this other crazy thing with this like, hundred year old tree that like crashed and like everybody had these like incredible spiritual experiences of like receiving the death of that tree in like a really intense way (laughs) i'm glad that this is the crew of like i like i said i've never been to a festival before this makes sense that i have been to y'all's fucking festival i'm like all right (laughs) very very deep rabbit hole portal that island So when did you start getting involved with them? And I mean, you're talking, I mean, I think it's been going on for a while. It seems like you've been doing it for a hot minute. Yeah. um, So my family moved here in 2015. And I believe it was the year after it was like, so it it took us one year of being here to like get involved with them. Um, But we've been involved ever since. So it was, I think 2016, 17, 18, 19 uh so like four years um cool uh, well that's pretty dope to be on the ground crew for that kind of uh yeah yeah i just kind of kept getting more and more involved each year like getting more more of us doing like fulfilling more of our roles so like everybody was sort of like playing a big role there like as you as you can hear with like alex and Alyssa on the medic team and Vera and I performing and painting. Um, so yeah, we were just getting like more and more involved in that. And, that, and we went to, uh, we also went to Blooming Heart, which was like kind of more of a like small circle. Um, the, the like core people who started the, or like who started Imagine. And it's like a smaller version of that. So we went to that when Raven was a really, really little baby. So tell me, I mean, as much or as, as little as you want to talk about what it means uh, and kind of the dynamic of the history of being in a, uh, I, I think you just said a poly family, kind of define that and elaborate because that's fascinating sociologically at the least. Yeah. Um, so I guess as I had sort of alluded to, I have five partners, all of which I've been with. Um, for over or for five or more years now. Yeah, these aren't um, just like um, Tinder dates. This seems like yeah, a, yeah. more of a commitment. So, um, Alex and I uh, met this other couple in Minnesota, Colin and Alyssa, who um, uh, the uh, Alyssa is the one who went. To, she went to med school with Alex, so that's how they met. Um, and Colin and I were there. Uh, like our, were their partners at the time so um, they uh, fell in love which sort of brought Colin and I together um, and um, it made it so that we all um, couples matched um, to uh, come to Seattle or well to, to, to end up so that we are living together like 
this, this was another crazy thing. Like, this, this is the first thing that made me believe in God, I think, was that, like, we, um, we all made lists um, of where we, where, where the, um, like, top to bottom. Sorry, I'm getting, this is a hard story to tell, and I'm not Take sure how somebody I need to go into it. But, yeah, do, do what you feel comfortable um, with, no pressure. I'm just curious. I'm like, this is this not feels... like, uh, you know, normal, you know, situation is very progressive so i'm kind of interested in how it worked yeah well so so med schools make their list and you make your list and they match with you and you match with them and you try to like that's how you end up at where your residency is but if you want to stay together with a partner of yours then you tie your fates to each other and that changes the algorithm in a weird way and there there was just like absolutely no way we were going to even end up together. We were just trying to end up near each other, um, even on the same coast as each other, because like the schools that they got in, accepted into had very little overlap. The, the schools they got interviews at had very little overlap. But then because of some crazy twist of fate that has like a long, long story to it, we all ended up in Seattle, even though that wasn't even like something we thought was an option. And so like the the story that like, ended up getting us here just felt so so magical. Like was, the whole thing was just magical. Like, we were meant to be together. Um, but we all kind of up and moved here to to Seattle, which was hard on another relationship that Alex and I had in Minnesota, which was with Vera. So when we moved, um, she wasn't ready to move with us, and she ended up staying in Minnesota for a year. But, well, she was ended up staying up in Minnesota, but then we sort of kept talking to her and she ultimately decided that she did want to come move with us and be a family with us. And so she moved here like a year later. So Alex and Vera and I are this like, um, we're, we're spouses together now. We got married um, last year. And... Um, Colin and Alyssa are currently living in in New York, but they um, we're we're ultimately trying to tie all of our fates together, sort of in the long haul. Um, just like when when you like look down. And you're trying to have these bubbles, like how do you do that in a way that like preserves people's autonomy and safety? And so all of these questions that we're asking as sort of ourselves are questions that like sort of the collective is asking each other about quarantine right now is like how do we how do we like maintain our bonds in ways that mean like uphold each other's both like level of like ability to control their own fate, but also like be safe for the collective in really abstract ways. So uh, I'm sure that's a challenge everybody's dealing with, but like, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it manifests differently in everybody's life. So you had Raven when? He is almost two now. Um, his birthday is in, um, uh, April 22nd um, and uh, uh, Colin and Alyssa had their child just a couple months after that 
So their baby, um, Alyssa and I were trying to get pregnant at the same time. And so we basically did. Um, so now we have two babies who are um, a really similar age. That's what's up. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's a it's a model I haven't heard uh, getting uh, much. I, I've never heard. Uh, I'm sure it happens more than I've heard, but I haven't heard very that happening very often. So it's interesting to hear. Seems like it's it working. is pretty rare. Like even even us who like um, are within the poly community really only know a few people um, who are doing that at least locally. And you know, the, to some extent, it could be that like. Um, people have their like fears of sh- of sharing it and talking about it, but no, I think it's a pretty rare thing. Um, I think we're on the we're on the sort of beginning of something that's growing. There's a lot more polyamorous people than there are old polyamorous people, so we're one of the few sort of old guard, I guess. I mean, not few, but it's it's just rare to encounter people who have been doing it as long as and with as many commitments as us. So what is your, uh, I mean, do you believe that people are, I mean, how would I put this? Um, do you think people are polyamorous naturally and we've learned monogamy for social kind of utility or how, how do you look at this? Uh, your, your personal and your situation compared to like general population. Do you think everybody else has got it wrong? Not that there's right or wrong, but do you think everyone else is like not being authentic that they could do it different ways? Like how, how do you break this down in your own mind? Um, just in terms of sociopolitical stuffs. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times I describe it as, like, being, um, like, you're at a sandwich shop, and then there's, like, the number one or number two, but then, like, we choose the, like, make your own sub. And it's, like, there's all, it's, like, you know, more complicated, but you can be more specific about what you want or whatever, because you choose, like, your own, like, rules or, or like, just your, your own Parameters. structure of how you're going to structure your, your relationships. But we're culturally given one. So are there people for whom monogamy, or at least like our, our culture's perception of monogamy, which everybody has different perceptions of, are you allowed to have deep, meaningful friendships with people outside of your marriage? Are you allowed to fantasize about people outside of your marriage? You're like, there's these questions that are uncomfortable to ask that are are like culture likes to sit there in the assumptions of like, of course you should know that that was wrong because obviously like you can't even imagine that anyone else would have like a different understanding of how things should be and so you don't talk about it because it's hard but like i think everybody has to make these decisions about like how they want to live their life and it's easier to fall into this like just default so so easy to fall into the default people just don't even know that other options are available because we don't talk about it and so i feel like there's definitely people who monogamy is just um, the right thing. And I certainly see that it's like a lot easier um, in some ways, but it's also harder in some ways. And so I always say you choose your own hard. And so we choose the like slightly more like significantly more complicated and like nuanced and having a lot going on sort of way of it being hard. But, you know, monogamous people or people who follow those groups follow the or fall into the heart of like not being able to fulfill desires or feeling unsafe, like be open about what your desires even are or, or feeling like you don't have support 
from people outside of like your person who has to be your one only absolutely everything check all of your boxes which is a lot of stress for someone to have to deal with so i just like i guess if i was like pushing any kind of message it's like question your assumptions and like it's it's a thing where where like um people say like well when did when did you know you were queer or whatever and and so like i feel like queer people have to they're they're already asked those questions and so it's almost a it's like it's almost a blessing of like um (laughs) we we get to ask ourselves these questions and be mindful and intentional about these things whereas i think when when you naturally align closer to um the the expected narrative it's you're not even like prompted to question anything so if you might even deviate outside that a little bit like you're not practiced in asking yourself why you are like is that actually something that i like or want or is it just because that's what's expected and i never really thought anything else could be well said heavy shit i mean obviously uh it's funny because i think I mean, I don't know how it all worked. Maybe at one point we were all psychic orgy animals just having fun. And then people started realizing patriarchy. That's kind of the McKenna model where it's like, oh, you know, this you know, started with mushroom orgies basically or whatever his thought was. Um, it, what you were talking it kind of reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen the film um, American Beauty with Kevin Spacey. Uh, and it's not exactly the same situation at all, but it's like um, the whole point of the climax of that film is, the dad next door had feelings for Kevin Spacey and he acted out on them on them. And then ultimately he felt shameful or whatever because of cultural, you know, stuff, uh, which leads to, you know, homicide ultimately. So it's just totally like, shame is just like, our, it's such a horrible thing in our culture is like shame just can, it drives the worst. <laughs> uh, you, there's a Brene, Brene, uh, Brene Brown podcast that I listened to recently that felt like another, like, what, how is the universe just sending me this obvious and direct of a message? <laughs> like, oh, come on, this has got to be a joke. Because, like, literally, like, in the podcast I happened to be listening to on the way home, it was telling me exactly what I needed to say for the thing that I was coming home to do. <laughs> and... And it was like literally giving me the words that I needed, <laughs> like, which is a- among many things that shame hides in the darkness. And if you can openly speak of the things that are causing you shame, you're free of them. And also that um, unity requires accountability, and that accountability is the opposite of shame and so when we want to impose shame upon other people it's literally proven not to work (laughs) like as much as it might be in the moment gratifying to like cause people who have been doing wrong shame it it's just it uh, not only makes them feel awful but it's counterproductive and it causes them to live more in shadow and for their shadow to win and enact it and that's not just woo, like that's literally been proven. <laughs> or I don't want to say proven because I feel like proven has received a bad treatment and is used is used in a way that is just not a thing you can do. You can't prove it. You can prove mathematics, but you can't prove science. So as much as science can 
give us an understanding that this is something that happens, there's evidence in its favor. And the and, thing that comes to mind, I'm teaching myself Japanese on Duolingo, and um, it's funny because that's a very shame culture, right? Where it's like, oh, if you've done something, go fucking cut your stomach out. And it's weird because I, I forgot who I heard, but someone was talking about like you die pretty quick if you do a harikari or whatever, uh, kill yourself with like a samurai style for shame issues. Um, because oh, I think it was Sadhguru actually. It's like you've got some uh, part of your body where, I mean, the navel, basically right below the navel is where we have like a very, I mean, we tend to think of our consciousness located in our brains or whatever, but it's like, that's more or less the, not the seat of consciousness, but like a very important cord to our life, I guess you could say is the um, solar plexus kind of area. And so if you kind of cut that in a certain way, it it's kind of a quick out, I guess, as opposed to other ways. Uh, Raphael, you have any thoughts on anything we've said thusly? He might not even be here. He might be going to the bathroom or something. Uh, well, I'll keep talking shit. I just want to make sure I'm including him. <laughs> sometimes he talks a lot. Sometimes he doesn't talk as much. Um, yeah, shame is a weird thing. I think it tends to be mostly projections. But then it gets into like uh, somewhere out. I mean, cliches have like root, it seems, in um, truths. But like maybe they're not absolute. So it's tricky. Uh, I think usually what happens with culture is like it works for some people in a certain way and then they say this is the way it is and then I mean that's what culture is we hand it down and it's like you know and codify these things to a degree that you know if you transgress these lines you're out of the tribe and that's so horrifying to a lot of people that they don't want to do it but it sounds like you've had this interesting uh, I was looking at your chart you have Chiron conjunct your Mars and Cancer um, which you probably I mean I don't know if you've had you know uh, well, it, like cancer is the mother thing. So when you were talking about kind of being the peacemaker with your sister and mom, that kind of came up. I was like, oh, well, that might make sense. But um, it seems like just on the one hand, in a hermetic sense, like polarity seems real uh, to the degree where it's like, you know, the archetypes of masculine and feminine existed, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that in some weird way, there's like um, – almost uh levels of development so uh kind of like you know video game processing at first it was like 8-bit then 16-bit then 32 64 all that now we're at whatever we're at i have no clue i'm not a such a hardcore gamer but the point is the 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 fundaments are structurally integrous at a level for certain dynamics to occur at times and then expansion and punctuation occurs that doesn't necessarily negate what used to be but expounds upon it in a sense kind of like what you're saying with your family it's like i don't don't know how practical that would have been in like the 1800s or something like that i mean depending on culture but clearly like in america at some point i'm you know it probably wouldn't have been as like kosher or whatever and it's uh, definitely probably more up in the pacific northwest and stuff like it's a culture that's more open to these ideas like you're a part of a polyamorous community it seems like and aware of other people it's funny that you think of yourself as old guard you're not that old you're like my age basically it's like oh shit um I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. Uh, is there anything you wanted to touch up on on that? I mean, I'm just like I said. I'm kind of just talking out loud. Gemini life. Uh, oh, oh. I guess I, there's a resource I could link people to if they're listening to this and feeling like curious about polyamory to do more of like a deep dive specifically on that. 
um, is there was like a podcast that I was recently on. Word. Um, called the John Topovic Show. Um, and that's like a deep dive into specific people who are curious. Word, yeah, we'll definitely get a link from that. Uh, so what, it seems like you've kind of been thread, I mean, it's weird when you kind of look back and you're like, oh, I did a lot of these things. Now all these hats are kind of coming together. What have you been, I mean, it's, I, I like how you kind of said earlier, the blessing of COVID. It's this weird kind of transmutational time. I think we're dealing with a lot. Um, what has your impression been about the whole, uh, you know, political, I mean, it's been a weird year, <laughs> like politically in America. Um, also, uh, with the lockdowns and stuff. So how are you viewing the landscape? Uh, what are you hoping for? What are you afraid of? That kind of stuff. There has been, if I guess could like sum up like 2020 in a word, shadow work, like shadow work. It's just like collective, individual, interpersonal shadow work being like, just like dust coming up because like, everybody's stuck in with each other and they have like time and we don't have like our support mechanisms that we used to rely on. We have to suddenly quickly adapt and remap and like make all of these like calculated decisions that are based on emotions that are both collective and interpersonal and personal decisions. And it's just bringing up all shit, which I feel like needs needed to be gotten through. And anyone who can, take it as an opportunity is that's and that's the ones that are going to thrive and survive this is like if you see it as just like all a curse which a lot of it is like i don't like so many people have died from this been like irrevocably changed from this but as a collective the way that it's pushed us if we can see it as an opportunity for growth like that's how we survive this thing yeah, it seems to be like a necessary, uh, uh, the causal necessity of it. I mean, it's happening, right? So um, it gets tricky with, you know, even with the Raven story with the uh, seed of the Schrodinger Raven or whatever you were, you know, kind of getting it in, a, in terms of a multiverse and all that stuff. Maybe there's other timelines we can hop on to. Um, but it seems that like you hit the nail on the head. We're all kind of going through uh, stuff we've been ignoring personally or collectively for a long time. And at some point, you know, there's a tipping point basically. Uh, and it feels like that's kind of been lately. So um, it, it looked like on some of your pictures you were doing VR. Are you still using like tech in your normal life? I mean, I I, I want to, uh, if I don't know if he's down, but I'd like to get your husband on here at some point. Seems like he's an interesting dude with, uh, you know, a lot going on. Um, you guys are making, I think on the American, I mean, I don't know if you're still doing it, but it seemed like you were making products for developing countries, medical needs. Um, so we're making, we are one of the only, pro the only project at this point that we still have that we are doing from our days um, running Synaptic Design as a, um, like a company in Minneapolis is um, this, these surgical skills trainers. And we um, partnered with a cardiac surgeon who made videos to teach, um, young surgeons certain skills to be able to home because it's the like um perfect practice makes perfect uh theory and um so there's a series of videos that he's made um using our surgical training device 
Um, and um, then people can purchase these boxes, these kits that, um, that we've made to simulate surgical skills. Um, and um, there was a point where we went to- Is it general um, surgery we stuff like to, or heart um, stuff or how does that work? Um, this is specifically for cardiac surgery, um, because the person who made the videos and who like chose the like sizes of the different like simulation, uh, and anatomical parts, uh, and the like textures and stuff that we, he gave us like feedback on that is a cardiac surgeon. So it's, uh, specifically made for cardiac surgery, although it probably wouldn't be too hard to adapt the specifics of it for different types of surgery that's pretty dope uh like i said you do have a sixth house north node in pisces so even just imagining ways for people to be practical uh using their imaginations to get ready for the real thing very cool very practical um do you do you still do vr stuff i saw a picture with you with, with vr maybe you never did vr shit i have no clue but like what's your thinking on in terms of like the singularity musk you know where we're going with AI like are you worried about that are you embracing it um <laughs> where are you embracing um I <laughs> or both I mean there's I feel like it's interesting to think about um but I also feel like I guess he's what I say is I feel like we're like neglecting the the amount of ways that our brains already are like we're already uh cyborgs basically like we already are attached to our phones we already like sort of like live in this world of the connected humans and it's like why we're talking right now so i feel like humanity is already this like interconnected like new level of like homo interconnectedness or whatever you know i see each of us as our as like one neuron of a collective brain as well as our own brain because it's all fractal so we are the collective and we also are individuals. Um, and, uh, and so I guess people kind of like get worked up thinking that we're going to like be all one, <laughs> which like we already are. I don't know. Um, but Elon Musk in specific, um, he's just like, honestly, he's a big, he's, a, he's like a really good showman. And I think that he's really brought a lot of attention and a lot of visibility to a lot of these like cool cutting edge, like um, ideas. Um, but there's like a lot of other people um, doing the things that he's, that he is doing in a big and loud way. People are doing it in like a longer way and, and like a more like developed way than, than sort of what he's doing but I think he's just like getting the most publicity about it. Um, but in, I think in, in, in order to answer that question, you should, <laughs> uh, you should talk to Alex because he, um, he has a lot of really interesting opinions on the topic and this is like his field and the world of brain computer interface and the world of um, reading brain signal, he's probably one of the top five in the world. 
Well, now I definitely got to come on the podcast. Uh, I mean, I figured he seemed cool anyway. And if you guys are partners and stuff, I was like, oh, he's he's probably got a lot of. I'd love to hear his perspective about locking you in a room on mushrooms or whatever. But uh, uh, cool, yeah. And I'm, I mean, Musk is just kind of like you're saying the figurehead in a sense of kind of a movement, kind of like the Ford of the next level of, of innovation at a level like a populist level, like you're saying. I'm not even sure how responsible he is ultimately for a lot of the ideas coming through his company he's just kind of like positioned himself to both market and um you know allow innovation to come through his companies to the point where uh, it's not i don't think he's sitting around you know having the most profound ideas all the time but i think people maybe attach him to those ideas and even little things like you know at conferences when he's like oh we're in a simulation it's like he's not the first to have thought that he won't be the last um, this is kind of an odd way of what metaphysical kind of speculation has been for a long time. If anyone has blasted off on DMT, they've seen simulatory effects at levels, it seems. So, I don't know. Um, is there anything else we haven't really touched on that you'd like to touch on? I, I just want, I mean, I think we've covered quite a few bases. You're cool as fuck. Uh, but I know you're both, you know, a mom with a small child and, uh, you, your time is probably limited. So I didn't know if there's anything we hadn't talked about. Um, I feel like there's maybe like two boxes that I was thinking about, uh, bringing up at, at a certain point, And then I put it on the like back burner and what um, are they? Um, you can't say that shit to a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> well, one is, um, that I have a sort of longer term vision for tattooing, um, which is that I see it as a, I see it and paint, I see art and pain as huge catalysts for deep personal growth and for spiritual transformation and alchemy and like being able to craft magical intention into the world. I think it has such like huge potential and power for that. And I think that there is a huge like missing space in the world for um, ceremonial and spiritual tattoos for that that aren't is that there's like this huge like act and again with the like shame isn't productive thing rather than sort of like feeling shame about that loss of culture it's an opportunity for um creation and um for growth and i think that just anyone who's actually um tapped in to sort of just open energy you know like you, the the main things that you need in order to be able to help other people spiritually grow is to get your shit out of the way and so in order to be able to like provide experiences for people that are like personally transformative, my work is to work on my energy so that I'm not getting in the way for them being able to do their transformation. And I think that really like taps in on a, like a part of me that hasn't really had um, an outlet and hasn't really been able to manifest in other forms of my art, or at least not like in that interpersonal of a way. Um, it's another piece of the multifaceted ikigai that is this tattooing for me. 
Yeah, like I think that actually is very much in line, like I said, with your North Node and Pisces, Six House Virgo flavor. Um, you're going to be a conduit for a lot of magic in a in an embodied way, in a health, you know, body and health way. So sounds like you've got the eyes on the prize for the tattooing, taking it to the next level. And it also sounds like uh, your um, adventure and uh, relationship you should document it. I don't know how much you've been documenting it, right? Uh, but you guys are kind of like – guinea pigs is a strong word. I mean, that you guys chose to do this, but it sounds like a both serendipitous and uh, interesting cutting-edge sociological kind of situation that others could probably learn from uh, and, and look back on one day. We should be a reality show. Well, that would be interesting. So there's an idea. Well, uh, I get Raphael, any questions? Well, I think you explained a lot. Your art looks pretty trippy from what I've seen. Everyone check out the clothing, I guess it is. Uh, seems to merge well with one's skin. And yeah, I mean, there's infinite details to ask about, but I won't start because otherwise this would never end. Well, Natalie, thank you for giving us your time. Uh, you're cool as fuck, I figured, so I'm glad you came on here. Um, our paths have crossed in the flesh before. I'm sorry I didn't extend the olive branch in person. I just didn't really – I wasn't certain, but now looking back, I'm like, oh, it totally was you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thanks for giving us your time and energy, your uh, kind of history and your two cents on a lot of things. Is there anything you kind of want to leave, want to leave people with? Um, I guess my latest um... – sort of calling our dharma on a collective scale is to advocate for like finding ways of sense making that help filter noise and amplify signal because um, right now with the way that our social media is and the way that there isn't really like a whole lot of trust in a whole lot of different sources of information i think it's just really crucial for everybody to find their own way of determining whether something aligns with trust i guess um and and reliable reality in that you listen i've listened to npr for years I have a lot of trust in NPR as an organization and know your ability to research things and be in alignment with what's actually true and not just like spout stuff that's wrong and then never offer a, like a, or like throw in a correction, but nobody reads it. And I feel like there's certain podcasts, certain media sources that I listen to on a regular basis. And I'm like checking in with on is, do they often align with reality? And then just like kind of tuning out with things that I haven't built trust with. In, in kind of the way that I do um, that I do relationships. Like I, ha I build trust over years and then I have these specific people who I go to for like their trusted opinion. Um, and so I think it's tough when no one really knows who to trust that there's a lot of misinformation out there and no one really can like agree on what feels true. Well, it's weird. I, I mean, I don't know how into astrology you are, but the North Node is in Gemini. 
the south node is in sagittarius and sagittarius is all about like truth of the capital t and dogmatism and kind of like convert or die you know absolute kind of certainty i guess you could say in terms of data um thus says the lord and then on the opposite side of the wheels gemini where the north node is where it's like playful kind of an angel asking questions you know holding on loosely you know that kind of mercurial energy um it's weird and neptune is squaring these nodes so it's like confusion delusion illusion uh disillusionment right i think a lot of people are kind of waking up and realizing that certain systems are kind of dead and have been corrupt for a long time and simultaneously you have people hoping for realities to come about and projecting that um but maybe it's not manifesting in in an exactly you know help helpful way ultimately whether it's conspiracy theories or whatever so interesting times indeed uh yeah it would be nice uh, if we could get kind of get better signal and less noise on the wire as they say so ultimately though thank you for coming on um like i said we'll have to get you back on here i'll hit up alex at some point and see if he's down um and maybe get you and him on or you and anybody else on that you'd like um but thanks for giving us your time and it's nice to have made contact officially Oh, oh, sorry, I wasn't pressing that. Oh, you're cool, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we do this, and, and thanks for reaching out. Definitely. So this last track, uh, I think you, I don't know if you know this group, but um, uh, Spangl is a group I think you know, but they, he had a, um, Simon Possford had a side project called Younger Brother, and this is a track off of their, uh, I think it's called End of Gravity or something like that album from maybe a decade ago but it's still it's still thick and thumps it's great so hopefully you enjoy it thanks so much for participating natalie thank you everyone for listening know thyself and enjoy yourselves